Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Good morning. My name is Mike Stoffer. I've been a member at New Covenant here for about 42 years. And the title of our message today is Darkness to Light, Death to Life, A Flood of Mercy. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 say, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now that's a verse, that's a keeper. That's something all of us would like to have follow and overtake us every day of our life. When I was about 16 years old, I was a sophomore in high school. And I got involved in what could best be described as a teenage prank. It wasn't any type of criminal activity. It didn't involve any great financial cost. It was no great moral issue or failure. It was just what could be best termed as a stupid teenage prank. About three or four of us. And I remember the morning after that coming downstairs and my dad sitting in his easy chair. And he looked at me and he said, son... You're grounded. And I said, how long, Dad? And he said, forever. Forever? He goes, well, really two years till you get out of school. Anybody who's 16 years old knows that two years in school is forever. So I had, in effect, been giving a life sentence. I was grounded to my room. Two days passed, and I came down the stairs, and it was a Thursday night. All my friends were off to watch a basketball game, and I was ready to serve out my life sentence. My dad looked up at me and he said, son, how would you like to go to the basketball game tonight? I said, dad, I'm grounded forever. You grounded me. He said, I have the power to ground you. I have the power to punish you. I also have the power to forgive you. And he forgave me. And it made a mark on me that to this day has never left me. It completely altered and changed how I looked at my father. And it stayed with me forever. He took away the sentence. And he said, I'm not only forgiving you, I'm going to forget this ever happened. It's as if this never took place. And I walked away completely restored, completely renewed in a great relationship with my father. Well, today we're going to be looking at mercy. We're going to be looking at the mercy that can be shown by our heavenly father. What exactly is mercy as spoken of in the Bible? What is the relationship between judgment and mercy? Is there a limit? Is there a point of no return where God's mercy cannot reach or will run out? How is God's mercy accessed? And what is the cost of mercy? What is the cost when God bestows and shows mercy to us, his creation? If you can stay with me today, highly focused for the next 25 minutes on your couch, you've got your cup of coffee, I'm going to come at it fast, I'm coming at it clean, straightforward. I promise you two things. If you're overwhelmed by darkness or hopelessness this morning, you're going to be renewed. Your hope will be restored. And if you're watching and you don't know anything about this God of who I talk about, you will know by the end of this message exactly 
where you stand with God, whether or not his mercy will be shown to you, and most importantly, how you can receive that mercy. A definition of mercy that I really like is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy does not exist in a vacuum. It is never independent, and it never stands alone. In my 42 years as a Christian, normally when the subject of mercy comes up or judgment, they're always spoken of in a way that people try to balance them out. If somebody begins to talk about the final judgment, they're speaking about hell. They're speaking about the consequences of sin. Very quickly, people will want them to quickly bring in a balance to talk about God's mercy. They are not opposed to each other. They don't balance each other out. They join together. Mercy cannot be shown if there's not a possible consequence for mercy not being shown. If somebody came to my front door and knocked on the door and I opened it and they said, Mike, I just paid $25,000 down at the district magistrate's office. You are now free to live your life completely free. You can go and come as you choose. I would look at them as if they were crazy. Why? Because I'm not in trouble with the magistrate. I did nothing to warrant them paying a fine. I don't need their mercy. Mercy from God is something that is needed by us. Where there's no need for mercy, mercy cannot exist. 1,650 years after the creation of Adam, in the time of Noah, 10 generations after Adam was formed from the dust of the ground, Humanity had reached a point of wickedness, of rebellion, of violence that rose to the heavens that was beyond our ability to comprehend. Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth. And it grieved him to his heart. That's the state of the world, ten generations after the creation of Adam. Fast forward to the time of Jesus. Jesus, speaking to his disciples, referred back to that time. They were asking him questions about the end of the age, questions about judgment, about eternal life. And it's interesting, Jesus referred straight back to the days of Noah. Matthew chapter 24, verse 37 and 38 says, "For This is Jesus talking. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Basically, Jesus is saying that people were just going about their business, taking care of the normal affairs of life, not giving any care or concern to the end of, to the end of life, to their eternal destiny. And he was saying, as it was in those days, 
so it was in the days where he was speaking to his disciples. And I would say that's as it is today in the days in which you and I live. Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, says that the Lord said to Noah, I'm going to blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals, creeping things, and the birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. God pronounced judgment. And remember, mercy cannot be shown where there is no possible alternative of judgment. This was not a small judgment. This was an eternal judgment. And it would call for an eternal, infinite mercy. The most important part of what I say today, if you remember nothing else, is that God never, never takes pleasure in judgment. It is not God's will to judge people. It is not God's will and heart to punish people. He must punish sin, but he does not want to punish people. His heart is that they would find a way around that. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 32 says, speaking of God, I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, speaking of God, says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So I'd like to stop right there and just take a minute and really focus on that. I cannot tell you how many times in 42 years that I've heard people say, well, most times when people are sharing the gospel, it almost seems as if they want the people to that are lost, they want them to go to hell. They want them to be judged. Can I tell you in 42 years, I can honestly say I have never met anyone and I myself have never once ever thought that. I've never seen or heard anyone and had any sense that that's what they wanted. If they were speaking from the heart of God, their heart was that what they shared would turn people to the mercy of God. Grace always precedes mercy. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Another word for that is grace. We can't receive mercy from God unless he first reaches out to us. We don't find God. God finds us. God pronounced a coming judgment and then right on the heels reached out to humanity through Noah. And it says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace is us receiving that which we don't deserve. And mercy is us not receiving what we do deserve. So he pronounced the grace to Noah, and he said to Noah in chapter 6, verse 18 of Genesis, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. God made a way of escape. God said, come into the ark. The ark is your refuge. The ark is the way. The ark is the way through the judgment and the way to life. In John chapter 3, verse 16, speaking of Jesus, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have everlasting life. And even as those who would not go in the ark in Noah's day were to perish, those in our day that would go forward without Christ, they will perish. The ark represents Jesus. Those who went into the ark were surrounded with refuge. They were saved from the waters of the flood. The Bible says that there is no other name by which we must be saved in our day. And even as Noah went into the ark, we who are in Christ, when you call to Jesus, when you are in Christ and he is in you, he makes a way through the flood. He makes a way through the judgment, even as Noah found a way through the waters of the flood. I'd like to talk about the day of the Lord. The next point. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11 says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. That was not a generic almost. That was a very specific time, date, and minute that the judgment began. Matthew chapter 24, verse 38, 39 says, For as those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they, speaking of people in our time, were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So even as the people in the days of Noah were going about their business, not taking care, any heed to God's announcement of judgment and way of salvation. So today, if we keep God at arm's length and we ignore him calling out to us, he's repeated calls to show mercy, that day will come upon us. The Bible says there is a day, there is a day appointed, and it's called the day of the Lord. And it's not an ethereal, abstract thing. It is a physical, tangible, historic day that will happen. And it is imminent and it is coming even as the flood was announced to be coming in Noah's day. God's mercy follows us in darkness and death. When Noah entered the ark, it was, it was dark. There were no floodlights. They probably didn't build fires in there because they didn't want to burn the ark down. So most of their time was spent in a dark vessel, hearing the sounds of judgment just outside. Can you imagine hearing the screams of people being overtaken by judgment while you're in the vessel of salvation? That's why sometimes, that's why there's such an urgency when somebody is speaking to you about Christ and you wonder why. Why are they speaking to me? Why won't they leave me alone? Why can't they keep their faith to themselves? It's because they don't want to sense that. They don't want to enjoy the salvation of God and know that you will perish. It's a heart. It's a heart that desires that all would be saved. There was no rudder on the ark. There was no way to steer that boat. When the floodwaters came, the waters of judgment and the ark lifted up, Noah and his family were completely at the mercy of God. They had no way to steer. There was nothing they could do with their human effort. They literally had to just sit back and accept God's way of salvation. 
They were at the mercy of wherever God took that ark. So it is with those who put their faith in Christ. It requires a letting go. It requires the ability to say, I may not understand everything, and I don't know how you're going to do this, Jesus, but I put my trust in you, and I believe you can take me through judgment unto eternal life. Noah spent over 371 days in the ark. That's a long time. And probably right at the point where he was doubting whether God's promise was to come to pass. Remember, he was promised he and his family. You enter the ark, Noah. I'm going to bring you through this flood. In the same way, we, even us who have already put our hope in Christ, we can face trials and storms of life, can't we? We can sometimes be overwhelmed by darkness and feel that God may have forgotten us. And yet, every time, at just the right time, God arrives. The next point is that God's mercy brings us to light in life. Genesis chapter 8 verse 1 says, God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. The waters of judgment were pushed back. The name for God in this verse, the Hebrew root is Elohim. And it speaks of the Supreme One. It speaks of God the Creator. And only the supreme judge of the universe who has the power to pronounce judgment has the power to extend mercy. He's the only one. He can punish, but he doesn't want to. He can forgive and show mercy, and he wants to. That's the heart of our God. It said that God remembered Noah. Now, that doesn't mean that God forgot Noah in the first place. That's not the sense of the word remember. The root word for remember is zakar in this verse. And it refers to God bringing the spotlight of his attention upon something. God acting in agreement with the covenant he has made. When it says God remembered Noah, it means in a sense that God put his focus on Noah and his family. He remembered and he was going to honor his covenant and promise to save Noah and his family. God always remembers his covenant and the people under his covenant. God chooses to remember the covenant to his people, but he chooses to remember our sins no more. What great mercy for those who are in Christ. Think about it. God told Noah, I, I remember you. He remembered Noah, but he tells us, I will remember your sins and iniquities no more. Hebrews chapter 8 Verse 12 says, I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. And in this verse, the word remember in poetic terms refers to choosing to act as if something has never happened. What a wonderful, merciful God. God is saying to those who are in Christ, to those who have entered the ark, so to speak, which is his son, the way through the judgment, God says, I will remember your sins no more. Now, that doesn't just mean that I won't remember them because, again, it's impossible for God to forget. But God is going to a level that he says, I will not only forgive your sins, I will not hold them against you. How many of us have done something to another person or have had something done to us? And forgiveness was given 
but there was a little bit where you knew that that person looked at you a little different from that point on. Well, God has chosen to say to those who are in Christ, I want to show you mercy. I want to show you such great mercy that not only will I forgive your sins, but I will not regard them anymore. Whatever you've done, it's blotted out. It won't be held against you. When I look at you, I will look at you as a new creation. You don't need to carry the baggage of a lifetime of sins. The blood of my son Jesus will reach and forgive every sin. I will not only forgive your sins, I will not hold them against you. What a choice. Back in Noah's day, outside the ark, judgment, darkness, death, Inside the ark, safety and protection. God bringing people out of the ark unto life. When God saves us, he doesn't just save us from death. He brings us into eternal life. The Bible says in later on in that verse, in Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, that God sent a wind upon the earth and the waters receded. The word for wind there is ruach. It's the same word used at the creation of the world in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering upon the waters. That same Spirit that hovered upon the waters at creation is the same Spirit, the same wind that God sends, this time not to gather the waters as at the creation, but to cause the waters to recede to give a new life, a new earth to Noah. God sent that wind. And you know, the Bible says that the wind blows wherever it pleases. That Ruach, the Spirit of God, in our day, it blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And today, if you're watching this, there is a wind blowing from God. If you've listened to this message, it's not an accident. God's reaching out to you. He's saying, I have plans for you, plans for good, plans not of judgment, but you need to respond to me. I desire that no one would perish, but that everyone would come to life. That's my heart, but I can't make you receive it. You need to make the choice. And I reach out to you today with my hand. I send my wind today, says God, and I, and, and, and I say, receive, receive my mercy. I want to show you mercy. I want to save you. I want to bring you through darkness. I want you to escape the coming judgment. I want your name to be written in the book of life. And I want you to walk into the new earth that I will bring at the end of time. I, not me, but speaking about God, I, Elohim, the supreme judge, I have the authority to judge, but I also have the authority to forgive and show mercy. And that is what I choose to do. What will you do? What will you do? There's a great cost to this mercy. This is an eternal mercy. And so it's an eternal cost. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, speaking about Jesus Christ, it says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus paid the ultimate price. He died on the cross. He shed his blood to make mercy available to us. On the final day, when you're standing in front of God, God will look at what you did with what his son did. And if you put your faith in his son, and you call him Lord, and you love his son, the way of life is open to you. The way out of the ark, the door is opened, and God will say, come into my rest. If you would like to do that right now, I'm going to pray a prayer if you're watching online and just follow along with me as I've prayed with so many people over these last 42 years. Father, I just ask you to forgive me of my sins and to show me your mercy. I thank you that you can show me mercy and choose to. I believe you have the power to show mercy, to forgive every sin against you. I give you my life as Noah gave you his when he walked into the ark. I receive this gift. Please write my name in your book of life. I receive your mercy now. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for your attention. And God bless and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the NC4 podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.